Youth suicide is the second leading cause of death for children and the greatest challenge that we face in keeping our children safe. Pathstone Mental Health has emergency and day treatment programs for kids who are having thoughts of suicide, helping them develop some skills to cope. Ryan Andre is a social worker at Pathstone who works with kids who are at risk. Hi, Ryan. Let's start with an overview of the program. Yeah, so at Pathstone, I work in what we call the high-risk program. And so in this program, work with kind of youth that come through two pathways. So I, we do see youth that come through uh, a pathway, and it won't be as relevant for this conversation, but through the violence threat risk assessment pathway. So that's uh, kind of when community partners identify youth that are at risk of harm to others. Um, but then the other pathway into my program is youth that have been identified as high risk for suicide. So uh, whether and oftentimes they're seen at hospital for uh, experiencing thoughts of suicide or engaging in suicide behaviors. And so when they're identified there, they're referred to this program and, and this program really exists. So that someone who is experiencing thoughts of suicide and is identified as high risk wouldn't have to wait on a wait list for or, and be without services for a long period of time. Um, so just wanting to really respond to those individuals and give them the, the services that they need right away. 25% of, as many as 25% of youth, I believe it's between the ages of uh, 15 and around 20, are dying by suicide. It's the second, am I correct with that number? I don't think it would be dying by suicide. I think that would be closer to having thoughts of suicide. That would probably, that statistic would be representative. But it's also the second leading cause of death amongst children and, and teens in particular, which I think is is really astounding. Um, mm -hmm. The accidents, unintentional mm -hmm. accidents, is mm -hmm. the number one, but it's not a lot more mm -hmm. kids than by suicide. I think that that's a pretty shocking number that a lot of people don't know. Yes, absolutely. And I think, yeah, in Ontario, I know, and, and coming back to uh, like we, when they do surveys of, in, in, even of high school students, what they find is that, um, and this was, these are some pre-pandemic numbers, but around 14% of high school students were reporting seriously thinking about suicide and that compared to about 4% of adults. So, um, and then as well, 4% of, of those high school students had also reported having attempted suicide in, even in the last year. And, and like you had said, um, around 200, and I believe that's a, a Canada wide, but that's still a, a big number that people, like you said, wouldn't realize that that many youth, that many teens are dying by suicide. Yeah, I mean, we all know that kids are under a lot of stress when they're in when they're in high school. There's, you know, that for for girls, there's the stress of being as you know beautiful as other girls, yeah. comparative, yeah. whether it's correct yeah. or not. And 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 I've yeah. talked to uh, to a therapist at at um, Pathstone about body image, and, mm -hmm. and 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 I know that body image can can lead to self-harm mm -hmm. and so on but you know kids are under a lot you know boys have to be you know the strongest and the most athletic um and bullying is a big issue so what mm -hmm. is the major driver behind let, let's talk first about kids who think about yeah. suicide yeah. what are the major drivers for that yeah yeah that's a really good question and it, it's a tricky question because suicide is really complex and it's really layered and there isn't any one factor or any like um, maybe a few factors that can 
that we can say with confidence, these are what will increase someone's risk for suicide ideation or suicide behaviors, because it is really um, individual. Um, and so when we're looking at kind of individuals that might be um, having thoughts of suicide, what we're really looking for is events that they have gone through. And we look for these themes of loss, these themes of pain, and these themes of hopelessness. So, um, and you were touching on, especially in those teenage years, there's kind of some unique um, components to that. So we talk about, for example, loss of relationships. Um, so if it's bullying or if it's conflict with peers at school, there's that loss of relationship and there can be pain related to that. Uh, we're talking about kind of self-image and self-identity and, and definitely during uh, those high school years is a time when we really question that. Um, so losing that and, and, and struggling with self-identity and self-image, that can be a loss a loss of safety. Um, so if someone is experiencing a, a trauma or experiencing abuse, th that loss, that experience uh, can be uh, connected to suicide. And then also uh, a loss of just mental wellness. If someone is experiencing mental illness, and that can be a, a wide a range of, of different uh, illnesses. But I think what we see a lot of is uh, diagnosis with anxiety and diagnosis with depression. And, and those can are definitely um, tie into feelings of loss and pain and hopelessness. And I think it's, that's at that individual level. So there's lots that we know that it's not this certain set of factors can, and this certain set, set of factors can. Um, but then as well at the population level as well, it's important to realize that there are kind of certain groups of people uh, that are also more at risk for suicide. So I think some important ones to kind of recognize are, are those individuals who are, are diagnosed or struggling with mental health. Um, so the, the, that population is definitely at increased risk for thinking about and dying by suicide. Uh, the two as LGBTQI population. So because of the discrimination that they face, um, that uh, population is at increased risk and especially among the teenage group as well. And then with indigenous populations. So I, I think we're becoming more and more aware of the history of colonization and residential schools and the historical, but the impact today as well. And, and we know that that um, relates to risk for many things, including mental illness and, and also risk for suicide. Pathstone has uh, one question before that. Mm. My understanding in the adult population is that more women experience thoughts of suicide, mm. but it's actually more men who die by suicide. Yep. Is that the same within within the youth? And and why is that different? Why is there that difference? Yeah. So it, that is the same. They do see that those kind of same. Uh, that same breakdown in the teenage population as well. So uh, females are more likely to uh, attempt suicide and they're more likely to be hospitalized uh, for engaging in suicide behaviors as well uh, versus men who are less likely to uh, be hospitalized and maybe less likely to get that support, but are more likely to die by suicide. And the reason for that, it, um, one of the main drivers of, of that is kind of choice in, in means. And so um, when, you look at the difference, oftentimes they recognize that girls and women are choosing um, uh, to engage in suicide behaviors through maybe taking medication, which can be lethal, um, but might be less lethal than, for example, um, other, other means such as firearm or hanging or uh, that tend to kind of skew more towards those male populations. Is that partly because women are, or, well, women and, and girls are more likely to come forward and ask for help 
And we're certainly seeing, I mean, there's there's such a drive in, in Poundstone in particular mm. um, to reach out and say, hey, kids, let's talk about it. Yes. Right? We're, yeah. we're all talking, all ages, we're talking more about mental health in general, but also uh, suicidal thinking. Yeah. And um, so is it that 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 the girls feel more comfortable coming forward? Yeah. And I think not just coming forward with uh, concerns about suicide, but coming forward with anything, right? So if you are struggling with something and you're more, uh, if you feel like you have the supports around you and you feel comfortable coming forward and, and kind of getting the help that you need about that, you can prevent those thoughts of suicide from even developing. Or if you are experiencing those thoughts and you, you're already engaging in those services, right, then you have that person that you can kind of connect with. Um, so absolutely, I think that's part of um, what we need to look at as well as continuing to break down uh, the stigma towards accessing services for everyone, right? It's, we need to continue doing that for everyone, but especially looking at some of those differences between males and females and, and other populations as well, and trying to um, target those approaches, uh, those populations appropriately. What should parents and friends look for? What kind of behaviors would put up a red flag? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. And so sometimes people call those like warning signs. And, and sometimes we also call them invitations. So you can think of them as, as ways that someone with thoughts of suicide is trying to invite us in and, and kind of tell us, hey, I'm struggling with something and I, and I do want you to, to talk to me about it and ask me about it. And one of the kind of the overarching theme is it's really about kind of observing those changes in that baseline behavior, that baseline personality for that individual. So it can look different for different people. But some of those main things that uh, we can look for as far as kind of actions that people might be taking uh, is giving away possessions, giving away things that, you know, they really value or have talked about really being very valuable to them if they're giving those away. Um, if they're withdrawing from, from relationships if they're showing a loss of interest in their, their hobbies, their interests, their passions. Um, sometimes we see increased reckless behavior, in, increased impulsivity, um, and that can connect to increased substance use as well. And then as well, um, we do see self-harm. So self-harm, sometimes we call, call it as well, non-suicidal self-injury. So that's different than experiencing thoughts of suicide and engaging in suicide behavior. But it is important to know that if someone is engaging in self-harm, they are more uh, at risk for also having thoughts of suicide. So those are actions we can look for, um, emotions we might wanna be kind of looking for. So if someone is expressing more anger, more sadness, more guilt, more shame, um, if they're expressing feelings of worthlessness, helplessness, loneliness, um, and the big emotion that I think comes up in, in pretty much all of the, the youth that I meet with is this, this feeling of hopelessness. So feeling like things will not get better. Um, so that's, for me, if I, if I hear those themes of hopelessness coming up, that's often a, a really important invitation. Um, things that we might hear teens say are things like, all of my problems will end soon. No one can do anything to help me now. I just can't take it anymore, or I'm a burden to everyone. Uh, so those might be things. And, and again, they're not saying they're having thoughts of suicide, but we can get, it could be an invitation into that discussion. And then from kind of like a physical things that we might observe as far as changes, if someone's not um, taking care of their appearance, if they're not taking care of their hygiene, changes in sleep or eating patterns, physical health complaints, and things like that. And so it is really a wide uh, array of, of different invitations that we might see. Is there a difference on how uh, a teen might react if a, if a friend says to them, hey, 
what's happening. I'm noticing a difference as opposed to a parent. Because parents are kind of like not cool when you're when you're a teenager and, and, and you don't really want to talk to them about your your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good question. And I think I think it comes back to the relationship aspect and the strength of that relationship. So oftentimes teens do have uh, really close relationships with their peers. And so because they have those close relationships, they might be more willing and more open to have those discussions. But that doesn't mean that that can't happen and it shouldn't happen with a parent and child because it absolutely can and it should. And if, if um, and, and it can happen with other family members, but other community kind of partners as well. It can happen with teachers or um, chaplains or volunteers or whoever they're connected with. So I think the big, the important thing, and as we're talking about this conversation, it's that that relationship that you have with that team that will make them feel most comfortable in, in coming out and sharing that. But you're, you do make a good point. Oftentimes those teams do have those closer relationships with their peers. Yeah, and I suppose for, for many of them, because the number of teens who die by suicide is does not reflect the larger problem in the number of kids who, who think about it. Um, and I guess, I'm guessing that there's a, a high percentage who are relieved, like a big sigh of relief. Somebody's recognizing that something's wrong. I didn't know how to reach out. Yeah. So past own um, programs. Mm. If you, and number one, I know that that path stone, you can, as the teen, reach out on your own mm-hmm. directly to path stone yeah. uh, and, or a parent or yeah. both. Yeah. What would you do once the, once the, the teen has come to you and you're working with them? What's, what's the process there? Yeah, that's an important question. So whether you are a family member, whether that's your child or another family member, or you're kind of a community member, a teacher, or just someone someone else, I think if a teen does come to you and is expressing those thoughts of suicide, um, I think it's always important to get a mental health professional involved. And there's different ways to do that. And there's kind of different layers to that. One of the things that we have here at Pathstone is our, our 24-7 crisis and support line. And so that's a really good support. And, and like you said, that's something that, you know, a youth could access that on their own, but a youth and whoever that other person they're talking with could access that together. So if you're kind of in the community and you start to have this conversation with a teen and, and you're not sure where to go next, you can call that number and, and be connected with a mental health professional that will kind of walk through that discussion with you together and help you take those next steps. So that's a really important um, resource that's out there and available to our community as well. Of course, at Pastor, we have our, our walk-in clinic as well. And so that's a really cool uh, service where a teen can schedule an appointment to meet with a counselor, you know, face-to-face or virtual day of. And so they can come in um, at our Branscombe Center in St. Catharines. That's Monday to Friday. And we're also in satellite locations all across Niagara. So they can come in, they can meet with someone face-to-face and they that mental health professional can um, explore those thoughts with them and help um, start that that safety planning process and, and help whoever the adult is in their life as well um, with those next steps. And so those are kind of those immediate, you know, you have the 24-7 line, you got the, the walk-in clinic. Um, and then from there, by connecting with those kind of mental health professional supports, they'll also guide you in uh, connecting to more ongoing services. Because um, we recognize that when someone's having thoughts of suicide, it's really important to get them connected right away. Um, but whatever those kind of events that they're going through, the pain, the loss, that is going to be a process and they're going to need that support, um, both formally and informally. And so they'll kind of guide you through how to get 
connected to further resources and services. You also have that really cool new um, walk-in center at um, at the Penn Center, which yeah. is any any kid can go in there and they can go in anonymously. They don't have to have anybody with them and then get some immediate connection if they need an immediate service or connect into any of the other programs that you have at, at Pathstone. And that's only been open, I think, for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if, uh, if you're seeing already, um, how many kids are coming in and how that's working. Cause it will take some yeah. time Yes, that to uh, get, get around. Yeah. My understanding, and I, I don't have the exact numbers, but my understanding is there's been some good, uh, uptake and access through that location. And they're really excited about that. Um, it is, it is a pilot project. So, um, it, it is planning to close on December 9th, but I, my understanding is that they're, they're excited about kind of. How, what this has resulted in and people accessing services through that. And so I think they want to, and when we talk about uh, suicide, just in general, right, there's, we can talk about it on the individual level, but it really is a, a community response to keeping everyone, but especially teens safe uh, from suicide. And so this is a really good example of one of those community partnerships and, and working together to uh, get those services to a place where teens can access it. Yeah. I know the Penn center was very supportive and, um, in helping the uh, the clinic get up and running. And I was actually there one day and uh, I was talking to one of the staff people and a teenager came in. Well, I skedaddled right away because I didn't want to, you know, be there because it, it's not a huge clinic. Um, but it was just, uh, obviously I don't want to see a child with a mental health struggle, but to see, see, see a kid who felt okay to come in was, was uh, quite amazing. It also is part of the wellness wall um, project and that had started in the schools. And this is where you get the peer to peer where kids could leave messages for each other. And some of them were messages of hope and some of them were sort of a a cry for help. Um, And in this new program, if you go into one of the bathrooms in the Penn Center and you close the door, there's a message. Um, and a message of hope and, and a message that says, we can help you and, and here's how you can get help. Yeah. Now, Pathstone also has, um, it's not really, uh, I was going to say inpatient, but it's not because Pathstone doesn't really do inpatient, but you have a school mm-hmm. um, and, and kids who are struggling and have a, a long-term or I guess a maybe a multiple incidence of either thinking about suicide or attempts can go to this school and you've just put up a video from a from a young woman named Maddie yeah um and uh it is phenomenal and every kid and every parent should go and look at this video and see the struggle that Maddie had for years and then what has happened since she's gone to the school? So could, can you explain to me um, how that works and, and what's sort of the criteria to be part of that? To be part of the, the, the school? school. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's a good question and important uh, um, because here at Pathstone, I think suicide is something that we see um, in all of our programs. And we've talked about the crisis line and the walk-in clinic and my program specifically, but of course our, our, our school day treatment programs, but um, you know, our solution focused brief services, our groups, our clinics, it's something that comes up. And it's, so it's something that we're trying to move to, as an agency to be more 
ourselves more aware and ready to respond to that as well. And so the day treatment program is really specific and it's for uh, grade school youth and teens and high school as well, providing a supportive environment for youth where they can continue their high school education and getting their credits while also receiving um, um, in the in the moment in the classroom mental health support so it's really um, can be really instrumental in helping build those skills and those strategies and and improving on you know it, it really comes back to whatever an individual wants to work on but they're you know if they're working on their self-esteem or reducing their anxiety or managing relationships um, so it is a really cool program in that aspect and that it um, uh, supports them right there in the moment and and was your question on like how youth can get involved in that yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that is a, there is for that program, um, there is a referral process. And so if a youth was working with their, at their school and with their school social worker, that's something that they could explore with them because they have a, a referral process through that. Um, and then as well, um, as I mentioned before, with the walk-in clinic and the, the crisis line, if when they would kind of give you those next steps about um, referrals to ongoing therapy, and then you would complete a, an intake through Contact Niagara, and through the information that would be collected there, would kind of help um, move uh, youth into the, the most appropriate program for them. Yeah, um, and then, so you did mention the social workers in, in the schools. There are social workers in the school, and that can be a frontline place where a student would be, would feel comfortable yeah. to, to talk to that counselor. Yeah. Um, and then, then get into Pathstone maybe from, from that avenue. Uh, I think we also need to mention 911. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you really feel that your, your child is at immediate risk or the child, you know, anybody can call 911 and, and get help through that. Uh, going forward with Pathstone, are you seeing an increase now in the number of kids who are coming in with, with suicidal thinking um, than, than before. I actually read somewhere that during COVID, while there were a lot of stresses and isolation and so on, the number was lower. But I wonder if that was just because it was not as easy, right, to count because these kids were isolated. Are you seeing an increase year after year? Yeah. And, and yeah, there's some different layers and that's a really good question too. Um, so as far as, and some of this data is still being collected and kind of reviewed and analyzed. And so some of it is continuing to come out as far as kind of how things have shifted during the pandemic and, and how things continue to change. And, and the, the data that I've seen so far, um, both kind of my, my understanding of here at Pastone, but also um, in Ontario, Canada, and North America is that we are seeing a rise in, in reported mental health concerns and mental illness, and we are seeing a rise in, in um, individuals thinking about suicide and reporting suicidal ideation um, and even engaging in suicide behaviors as well. To your point, what we haven't seen is an increase in deaths by suicide, and, and we're thankful for that and, and hopeful for that as well. There are several ways that a, that a child, parent, or both can reach out. One is through their social worker at school. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, you mentioned contact Niagara. Is it contact Niagara? Contact Niagara is where you would reach out if you want to complete a referral for ongoing outpatient therapy. Right. And that covers any kind of um, 
any kind of mental health struggle, then there's direct contact with, with Pathstone Mental Health itself. You can go to pathstonementalhealth.ca and you will find all of those numbers, a tremendous amount of information about the programs that you offer. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on and talking about this. I think this is one of the most important mental health issues we face in society. Absolutely. Well, and, and thank you for having me. Thank you for having this discussion. I think it's really important. And I think thank you to anyone that's listening as well, right? I think just anyone willing to engage in this discussion. I mean, it can seem small, but I think it's a significant step in, like I said, making our communities safer and, and potentially saving lives as well. So I really appreciate uh, you making some time to, to have this discussion because it can be difficult.